Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning, and happy 4th of July, everyone. Yeah. I'm a little jealous. Nobody's ever waved a phone light for me. Like, I'm gonna turn the lights down. You can all pull your phones out. That must be like a young people concert thing or something like that. So, my goodness, my goodness. Man, it's true though. We we all, man, we we want friends, people that stand by us. And if you own a home on Cape Cod you discover how many friends you actually have around the world, right? Like, oh, hey, we're coming to visit. We want, like, we want friends, deep relationships, people that will stand by us. And it turns out we don't just want them, We need them. We need people in our lives that stand with us, by us. So Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians, and we've been talking about what it looks like to go beyond happiness into this joyful life. And Paul is writing this letter, and if you're familiar with Paul, Paul is this like, Paul is considered, even by people who are not Christians and, uh, you know, don't admire the scriptures, one of the great characters in all of history. He's like, he's a, he's a, a genius on a level that's almost unparalleled. And his ability to take the teachings of Jesus in the early church and to bring it into the form that we have today is just unparalleled. And when you read through his writings, it is just like chock full of theology and living and teaching. And it's just, there's something on every verse that you can hang on, which is why this is so surprising. Because in chapter 2, as you come to the end of the chapter, for 12 verses, it's like Paul stops, and it's like, it's like there's like another side to him, and it's like Paul just says, hold on a minute, can I tell you about my friends? I, I just... And he just takes, he takes 12 verses to tell us about two people. He just wants you to know, like, these, these people are everything. I love these people. And he tells us what it looks like when someone stands with you and by you. Here's what he says about Timothy, starting in verse 19. He says, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send you Timothy. It's almost like Paul is beginning this, and and he says, listen, there's some special people in my life and in your life. Don't miss them. Don't don't miss these people. And that's that's a good lesson for us. Don't miss these people. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send to you Timothy. Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. For a visit, 
then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. Then he wants to add something. He says, I got no one else like Timothy. No one else. Who genuinely cares about your welfare. Let me tell you something about Timothy. This Timothy is the real deal. And Timothy is in it for you. Then he adds, all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Man, listen, I'm telling you, Timothy cares about you. See, there's a difference between caring about something and being interested in something. There's a difference between being interested in someone and caring for someone. Those are different things. I do, those of you who've been around a while, you know, I do almost all of my message preparation in my car. I've been doing this for years. I've got like a portable library on my iPad. I got a book bag I carry with me. And I've got a couple of beaches I go to. And no, I'm not going to tell you which one I'm at because it's alone time. But one of the things that happens is every year I can see when the ospreys arrive and they get up on those perches and we kind of take them for granted. But man, these are amazing creatures and you see them kind of out there and their eggs are laid and the babies are about to come and then you'll see, you know, mom, dad, they're out fishing and you'll just see them swoop down. This one place, you'll see them swoop down on the water and it's just like they're just looking, 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 got it, right, boom. And all of a sudden up there, flying fish in their claws right back to the nest drop it off for little baby maybe take a chunk out of it themselves i mean they are they are definitely not vegetarians so here's the thing the osprey just just a helpful distinction the osprey is interested in the fish and it cares about its babies are you tracking with me you're interested in like, oh, 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 there it is, there it is, there it is, right? That's interested in the fish. They didn't care about the fish, cares about the baby. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, this guy, this guy cares about you. This makes him unique. Look for those people who care about you. I've been working on this all week, and it's been a chance just to reflect on how rich I feel in friendship. I just, I'm not bragging, but I just feel enormously blessed to be surrounded by people who I know care about me in my family, in my church community, on our staff, in my ministry peers. I'm just, I feel, sometimes I feel like this is, this is a group of people. And, and let, me, let me just offer a couple of things. These, this is just my list. This isn't a Bible list. This is just my list that, that these are the things I notice when I sort of look at these people who care about me. Here's the first thing, awareness. They're like uniquely aware of what's happening in my life. Often, and sometimes they're even aware just how I'm feeling. Have you ever had somebody, they're just like aware. They, they're, they can know. You think you're hiding it and they know. <laughs> what's up? 
Like, whoa, man. Like, they're aware. And sometimes they're aware because they practice the art of asking. It's like magic. Ask. They don't just tell, they ask. Awareness. Here's something else I love. They make bold, clear statements. Here's what I mean. I've talked a lot at Cape Cod Church about the importance of having people in your life who can tell you the truth. You all know that. Do you know what we need sometimes? We need people who speak bold, clear words of affirmation. My goodness, we get beat down in life. How encouraging is it to have someone who looks into your life and sees what good, what's good and says so? That just looks and goes, you know, hold on a minute. I admire you for the way you take care of your child. I was talking to someone the other day, and I've been walking through a journey, really, for 17 years, 18 years with them. And I was just, I was just like, man. And it just reminded me to stop and to say, I just want you to know, I admire you for the way you care for your child. We need people who just, right, there's no competition. They're not trying to be coy or subtle. Let me just drop all subtlety. Let me not worry about competing. Are you better at this? Am I better than that? They just drop all that and they just say, I just want you to know how much I see in you. My goodness, if you don't have people like, you know, I find some new people because we need people who speak bold, clear words of affirmation into our lives. Here's something else they do. They don't try and fix what can't be fixed. The hardest things in life are things that can't be fixed. The things that you can't control. There ain't nothing you can do about them. And I got a news flash for you. There's nothing you can do about it either. And sometimes just having a friend who just comes up alongside you and is aware and speaks words of affirmation and doesn't try and say, hey, you know, um, actually, if you just did this, oh, really? Never thought of that. Never thought of that. People who are aware and just kind of come up alongside and recognize, hey, there's some things in your life you've got no control over and you're not responsible for. And they're not going to try and fix it. They're just going to try and walk through it with you. My goodness. Sign me up for two more of those kind of people, please. And here's something else they do. Because when you don't know what to say, what do you say? Well, they point you to Jesus. Those, Listen, I, I don't know how to say it. Like the, the, the best kind of people in my life, and I'm not saying every, every good friend I have in life is a Jesus father, but I'm going to tell you, there's a bond I have with people who follow after Jesus and who know this. At the end of everything else, when I don't know what to say and there is no solution, I just want you to know this, Jesus if you're stuck and you're out of solutions and your heart is broken and you don't know what to do, Jesus. 
I just want to point you to you. I just want you to see Jesus in the middle of this. Paul is saying, man, this guy, he, he's good. I can't wait to send him to you. But, but, but he can't come yet. So um, in verse 25, he says, uh, I'm going to send somebody else. And, and now he says, let me tell you about somebody. He says, meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. Now, watch, watch, watch the language here. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. My need. Like, I, like this guy. He says, I'm sending him because, verse 26... He has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. He didn't want you to worry about him. And he certainly was ill. In fact, and watch this language here. It's just a little, it's like a passing statement, but it tells you something about how Paul viewed the world. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also on me. What? So that I would not have one sorrow after Another, one sorrow heaped on another. One translation puts it this way. It says, so that my, my, my grief would not be unbearable. Like, I'm like, what? Paul, like, you're the guy that says in just a couple chapters, we're going to get to it in chapter four, don't be anxious for anything. Like, what happened to the guy who says, in all things rejoice? What's, where, where's the dude who said suffering, it, it leads to good things in your life? Why, what are you talking about? like unbearable sorrow. I thought you could handle anything. And Paul would say, I can, because God sent Epaphroditus. He sent this man into my life. God gave me what I needed. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. We need these people. You... you we need these kind of people in our lives. We're not, we're not meant to live through our lives without people like Epaphroditus. He says, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. In other words, so that it would not become unbearable in my life. He says, man, you, you need these kind of people in your life. You, you need friends who stand by you. You need the kind of people who lift you up. And you see, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, so if you're, if you're brand new and maybe you're just like exploring uh, church and Christianity and you just, you just popped in Maybe you showed up early because you thought it was at nine o'clock and you know, you're just like here and they're, they're singing the pretenders and you're like, what is going on? Where am I, right? 
I happen to think, and there's some evidence to support that these these kind of relationships, these kind of friendships, that there's something, and Paul was digging at it, there's something in the body, the community of the church that fosters that. I was reading this article this past week by Jessica Gross in the New York Times, and it's the fifth part in a series, and she's been reading, writing about a topic that I've been fascinated by over the last couple of years. They call it the rise of the nuns. And if you're not, and that's not like the nuns with the little hats and stuff like that. It's the nuns, N-O-N-E. It's people who on surveys uh, describe themselves as having no religious affiliation. Doesn't mean they're atheist. Doesn't mean they're agnostic. It just means they're nothing. They're like, you know, I'm not Christian. I'm not Buddhist. I'm not Muslim. I'm not Jewish. I'm not atheist. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm a nun. And there's been this, this this exponential rise in the nuns and Jessica Gross writes about it, and, I, and I should qualify Jessica's not not a believer she's not she's uh, in fact she clarifies read the whole article that she's a non-observant uh, Jewish woman but uh, through it she begins right and this uh, this most recent she says she wrote an article entitled what church offers that nuns long for I'm like, well, that's an interesting title because she spent four articles saying, here's why they're all leaving because there's, there's a lot of stuff to be critical of. But I just wanted to read you some things because it's so fascinating about what God is cultivating in the body of the church. <clears throat> she said this, after months of reading about the massive change and having had quite a few deep and very moving conversations with over 7,000 readers who responded to my initial call out about becoming less religious over time. The one aspect of religion in America that I unquestionably see as an overall positive for society is the ready-made supportive community that churchgoers can access. Community, the word community was mentioned and over 2,300 reader responses. My goodness. She quotes this one, Julian, uh, Julie Prado, who's 50, from Washington State, writes, writes this. She says, I was raised Pentecostal and went to church three or more times a week. Just out of curiosity, anybody else three or more times a week, people? Come on, raise my hand. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. There's got to be more of you out there. Come on, come on. It's, it's confession time, right? <laughs> Youth group. She says, I was raised Pentecostal, went to church three or more times a week, so I desperately missed the community. It was where my friendships came from. I have very few friends now. Jessica goes on to write this. She says, I have asked every sociologist I interviewed whether create, uh, communities created around secular activities outside of houses of worship could give the same level of wraparound support that churches, temples, and mosques are able to offer. And nearly across the board, the answer was no. She finishes with a, a bit of a flurry of personal reflection. She, now I'm, I'm giving you the whole story, right? She's not, she's not buying in, but what she says is interesting. She says, I'd like to see faith communities do a better job of including people who aren't on that, if you will, ordained track. I'm not sure what that means, but I think I know where she's going. Not because I think people need to 
be religious to live good lives. I don't believe that. She just wants you to clarify. I'm, I'm reading it all. And then she says this, but because almost everyone needs community to flourish. She finishes with this comment by Carson Curtis, 36, who lives in Arizona, who just said, being socially atomized. That's New York Times word, by the way, atomized. That's like, that's like, it means, I had to look it up. It means to reduce to its smallest part. But I like the quote. Being socially atomized is hard on the spirit. Goodness. That'll preach. You see, what Paul is saying here in this quick passage about friends is you were not made to be alone. You weren't made for that. Me and Jesus is all I need. Let me just pause you a moment there. That's bad theology. Because in the very beginning chapters of Genesis, he told us, no, you need people because you were made for community. You were made for people. You need those people in your life. Do you need Jesus? Yes, Jesus. Jesus fills a gap no one else can fill, but he made you for community. He made you to have people in your life. That's why we're finishing the service with ice cream cookie sandwiches. You say, I thought you were just bribing us to come to church. A little bit. I told one of my friends there are 10 million people on Cape Cod this weekend. I'm not sure how many are planning on church. Thank you for being the ones that are, man. What a great day. Remember growing up, some of you, my three time a week people, you remember potluck suppers? Remember potlucks? Oh my goodness. You know what a potluck was? You didn't realize it then. Preacher was bribing you to come back to church on Sunday night. Those things were never Sunday morning. It was Sunday night. Hey, come to church Sunday night. Bring your favorite dish. We're going to put them all together. We're going to go in the basement. We're going to eat stuff like, you know, I don't even know what that stuff was. And oh, by the way, around the potluck supper, you know what happened? You knew people. You met people. You built relationships. We've just upgraded the potluck to ice cream cookie sandwiches, folks. That's all we're doing. We're like, hey, man, come on. And some of you, I'm just preaching at you right now because I'm like, hey, don't slip out the back door. Come get an ice cream cookie sandwich. And if we run out, I'm sorry. I'll, um, we love you. But we'll cut them in half. We'll divide them. We got lots. We got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. You weren't made for alone. And let me just add to this. Your spouse, husbands, your wives, fill an incredible role in your life, if you let her. Wives, your husband fills a vital role in your life, if you let her. I, I, I talk about that all the time. At the top of my list of people would be that woman right over there. Somebody took our seat, but she's right over there. That's right. I said all that to say this. Uh, 
you need other people too. I'm just going to clarify that. Let me just get that down and dirty. Um, guys, you need some guys in your life. I'm not saying you got to get in a group and, you know, beat on a tom-tom and, you know, and, you know do all that weird stuff. That's not, that's not my drill. But you need, some, you need some dudes in your life that you're just, you're able to text, talk, share, break down over breakfast, whatever it looks like. Ladies, you too. I, just, I started with guys because ladies, you're better at this than we are. I'm not lying. We should all just sit down. I should not be preaching this. Bring some ladies up here and let them preach that. We'll get to that in a couple weeks, right? You know, ladies. But we need those people in our lives. And, 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 I, and it leads me to the last thing I want to say in this passage because, because there's something about these people. And, and Paul is getting to it. And he says, when, he says, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. It, so that, it, in other words, Paul is saying here, Epaphroditus made the unbearable bearable. Like life is hard right now, but he helped me get through it. So let me say it this way, and it's going to rhyme, which is kind of corny, but I want you to remember it. Here we go. What you share, you can bear. I know it's corny, but you'll remember it. Like, it was weird. What you share, you can bear. And that's, that's what Paul is saying. He's like, God put someone in my life to make the unbearable bearable. You see, the way we share, this is, this is genius, but wait for it. As we talk. That's it. That's how we grieve. And you, you, you think about it. the way we grieve is we talk about something, and so we don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> this is why, if you don't have anybody to talk to, you pay $125 an hour for it. <laughs> And I listen, I think that's a great solution. I like like we have a growing list of incredible counselors in our church and I love the work that they do. And often this is why they'll ask you like tell me tell me more, tell me about that Tim because the more you talk through it, you're you're unpacking it. You're you're speaking about it. And and what you're doing is you're not when you're speaking, you're not delegating, you're discussing. And there's something powerful that happens as I begin to unload some of my grief through conversation with someone who cares about me and it changes. It makes the unbearable bearable. Cody and I, about a month ago, we went on this missions trip together and I was sending them pictures. It was just like a, a, a million memories. Most of them really awesome and a few of them like, woof, that was a long day. We, we got to the airport and we were trying, we, we had this really packed schedule. We were in three different places across a couple of countries with a bunch of our missions partners. And, and so I had this brilliant idea. We were going we to pack light. 
we're going to travel fast, right? So I got like this enormous backpack thing with wheels. I never once wore it. I used the wheels the entire time. Little note to self. And my son got a duffel bag that was like, I, I swear, it was like this big, but it had straps on it. And it was big enough to carry some of the most important things in life to him, namely his skateboard, <laughs> which I totally get, right? You know, I had my iPad, he had his skateboard, priorities, people. And we, we, got, to the, we got to the airport and we're, we're nervous. We're flying Turkish Airlines. Um, that wasn't why I was nervous. It's a pretty good airline. But, so we're, we, we didn't want to like get through security and then find out that they wouldn't let us take this enormous duffel bag strapped to his back on the airplane. So we went up to the, uh, the counter and we said, hey, we, we don't want to check anything. We just, can we carry this? And she's like, let me weigh it. I'm like, oh, I thought if you just carried it, didn't get weighed. It turns out there's like, I don't know, like a 10-pound limit on what you can carry. And so she puts it on, and it's like 12 pounds. And she says, you need to lose two pounds. I'm thinking, I need to lose more than two pounds. But whatever. <laughs> Couldn't. Sorry, sorry. need to lose two pounds. What was I thinking? <laughs> that was not in my notes, by the way. So Cody and I, we're like, she's a, and she looks, she's like, just go right over there. And we did. We just walked to the side, and the backpack I was wearing, and the thing, she never weighed. I'm like, okay. And I said, Cody, let's just unpack your stuff and put it in my bag. We just unpacked it, put it in my bag. He took his bag, and she's like, green light, you're good to go. It worked perfect till we got to Istanbul. That was another story, but hey, let's unpack that. What you share, you can bear. Hey, hey, hey. Let's unpack that a little bit. You need someone in your life that says, mm -mm, come, come, let's, let's just... Let's go over the side here and let's just unpack that a little bit. We all need that. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul, Paul, the great Paul, the one who said, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, just pray. That guy? That guy said, Epaphroditus made the unbearable bearable. I'm just glad he's here. He didn't tell us what he did. I'm just glad he's here. I don't want to diminish the role of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to finish with Jesus because, listen, Jesus is where it most often starts, and then he'll send somebody into your life. And, 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 and it may begin with you today just unpacking it with Jesus. You may be like, I can't, I can't, be, I can't talk to anyone else about this, but you're just starting to unpack it with him and just... Just unload it. It's like a practice run, and he'll send people into your life. But don't discount the value of that person that he sends into your life and the value of sharing that burden with them because it makes the unbearable bearable. But maybe, 
Maybe, maybe you're here, and I just want to finish by just saying you're here, and you've been just wrestling with what to do with Jesus. And I don't know your story, how you got here, what you came through, what he's, what he's been teaching you, what he's dragged you through, what he's lifted you out of. I don't know any of that. But if you're here, and you'd say, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I just want to give you a chance to finish the service by saying yes to him and inviting him into your life because there is no friend, no friend like Jesus. And when there's nowhere else to turn, Jesus is always there. And when you feel like you're alone, I promise you he's never left. And that's why I can confidently say to the one who's been on the sidelines and just keeping Jesus at an arm's length and not sure what to do with them, man, say yes to him. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Moments just quiet moment of reflection. And maybe you need this moment just to begin to unpack to with Jesus. Just like God, I'm just I'm just tired and I'm hurting. And tell him why. And ask him to put someone on your mind to remind you who it is that you could share this burden with. And while you're doing that, let me talk to the one who's just on the fence with Jesus, but ready. Ready to say yes to his gift of forgiveness, his gift of mercy. salvation that only Jesus Christ can offer to invite him into your life and to give your life to him and if that's you then I want to invite you just in the quiet here while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the moment is is a private moment I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment, but I want you to know it's not my prayer that God's listening to. It's yours. It's, it's the prayer of faith that comes from your heart, a faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. If that's you, then I invite you right where you're seated to pray something like this. Dear Jesus, you know me. And you know everything about me. And I'm here today to confess that I need you. I need your forgiveness. And I believe that you died on a cross for me so I could be forgiven. And that you rose again from the grave, proving you were who you said you were. Jesus Christ, I trust in you. I invite you into my life. I want the full life that you speak of. And I want to live my life fully for you. Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen.